Yeah, I usually find that the people who think that purpose is fluffy are the ones who need it most. Yeah, so true. This is the Leadership Communication Show, a podcast to help people like you be the inspiring and influential leaders their people need. I'm Michael Paperno, and I'm a communication expert, teacher, and coach. My personal mission is to help good leaders be great leaders through the power of communication. I promise you'll learn something from each guest on this show that will help you along your personal leadership journey. Okay, on with the show. Many of my regular listeners already know that purpose is a topic I like to talk about because it's important yet sometimes feels elusive to leaders and teams. That's one of the reasons I invited Zach Mercurio to the show today because he's an author, researcher, and consultant specializing in purposeful leadership, meaningful work, mattering, and positive organizational development. Good stuff, right? I first learned about Zach when I read his book, The Invisible Leader, Transform Your Life, Work, and Organization with the Power of Authentic Purpose. He wrote it to provide individuals, leaders, and organizations with the tools to activate their purpose and create cultures where everyone matters. I love the book and have been following Zach online since then. His work has made an impact at more than 150 global companies, and I'm excited today to introduce you to Zach to talk about his own journey with purpose and to give all of my listeners some lessons they can use to lead in a way that cultivates positive organizational and team cultures that enable more meaning, motivation, and well-being. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us, what was the purpose spark for you? When and how did your passion get ignited for this? Well, I think it was seeded by my upbringing in an interesting way. I'm the youngest of three brothers. And if anybody listening is the youngest, you know, you get really good at a couple things, entertaining yourself Uh (laughs) and comparing yourself. Yeah. And so I was always sort of either trying to be like my two older brothers or trying not to be like my two yeah. older brothers, you know, so I was always, I was seated with this like yearning for significance in a heightened way. I think given my mm. upbringing, my, my two brothers were really high achieving. Yeah. Okay. And, and what happens is when, when you, when you have a heightened need for significance and maybe you're not getting it. And what I find with, with my work with people is that you're very susceptible to when people give you an answer to that, like, mm-hmm. Hey, go make a lot of money get a good starting salary and you'll be significant. Mm. And, and that's sort of what I fell prey to in college. And I actually ended up in a well-paying advertising job in Washington, mm. DC. And on the outside, everybody was really proud. They thought I was, you know, really successful, right. but on the inside, I didn't know why I was, I didn't know what my strengths were. I didn't know what difference I was making. And that was just eroding my sense of self every day. And my Mm -hmm. spark came, there was two, two major events during that time. One event was I was on the Metro in DC Mm -hmm. and I stopped at DuPont circle. I was in between sales calls and I stopped at DuPont circle. There was a Barnes and Noble there, you know, and people used to go into bookstores. I know I missed that a little. (laughs) So I just went in. Right. And I was kind of feeling this like 
existential angst of why am I doing what I'm doing? There's got to mm-hmm. be something more. And I don't even, re- I didn't read poetry. Mm-hmm. And I picked up this poetry book that was on the end cap of an aisle. And it was, it was by this American poet named Stephen Dunn. And it was called everything else in the world. Mm-hmm. And I flipped to this poem called everything else in the world. And the last line of this poem says, I want a job so good like a good book that I'll be finishing it for the rest of my life. Oh, I love that. I probably botched up that line, but I was like, how do I find that? Um, Mm. And that really was in a sense of feeling purposelessness that I had that experience. And then I had one more experience shortly after that. And it was experience with a cab driver. And I write about this and I talk about it all the time, but um, I had a cab driver who came up to me and, you know, parked next to me. I was taking a lunch break in a parking lot. And he said, Hey, how's it going? And I mumbled like, is it the weekend yet? And it was a Tuesday mm. at the time, which is embarrassing. Mm. But I asked him how it was going and he lit up. He started talking about all the people that he talked to, that he's people's parents. They don't talk to their friends. They don't have. And he just loved it, but he didn't talk about what he did. He talked about why he did it. Right. And that's when I was like, okay, how do I learn this? How do we learn this? And I've been doing that really ever since. Oh, that's great. But it was in a moment of not experiencing it where I learned how to experience it and then started researching how to help others experience it and and create environments that give it to other people. So the research piece, how how long has it been since those moments that you've really put your heart and soul into the research behind it? Yeah. So interestingly, right. So after that experience, I actually went and worked in higher education. A lot of people don't know this for eight years Mm -hmm. because I wanted to make sure people didn't end up like me. Hmm. You know, I'm quite disturbed by our educational model because in good design, uh, form follows function, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? We understand how to build something because we understand what we want it to do and why it is. But when Mm -hmm. we educate people, we reverse that. And we try to form their lives and careers without right. helping them understand their function, right? their why, right. What, what is the unique gift that they give. And then inevitably you get this tension, right? That I experienced and tension in the workplace and turnover issues and morale issues when, that, when there's tension there. And right. so I went into higher ed and I tried, to, I tried to reverse that. I did a lot of career coaching and mm-hmm. advising of students. And what I found was that people just came alive when they were able to explore how their gifts make an impact, when they were able to explore what problems they want to solve instead of what job they want to get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, then some of those students graduated and asked me to come into their workplaces. <laughs> and oh, that's, that's how I got into the workplace consulting work. And then I was like, you can research this, believe it or not. They don't tell you that when you're an undergraduate, right. you can research purpose and meaning. And mm-hmm. here I am. Right. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm, I don't know if you know this about me, but I started my career as a high school teacher and I still adjunct at a local university. So I'm a teacher at heart too. And and I, I wanted to be a teacher for, I didn't know those reasons that you just really beautifully stated right now, but I have always been someone who likes to help people use their strengths and their innate passions and talents to change the world to serve yeah. others. And you're right. The education systems, I mean, I'm a product of that too. So it's funny, you have, uh, you're the youngest of three brothers. I'm, I have three brothers. So I have, uh-huh. there were four of us. I'm the second oldest, but I was the most different uh, growing up. Yeah. So yeah. I was doing that comparing 
all the time. And when I went to college, I felt completely lost because they all knew what they wanted to do. They all had the good SAT scores, but here's creative little me who's good at music and writing, Mm. but not good at the type of stuff that they're testing you for. And I had that identity crisis as well. And I always tell people, I've always known that my purpose, the reason I'm here is to help others, but I didn't discover till college that it was through the power of communication. Mm. That's how I got that spark. And And it's a shame I didn't know that that helping people be better communicators could be a career, like a thing that would have saved a lot of angst for me in the beginning. Isn't it trying to figure that right, out? How we uh, our system tends to treat creativity as a liability instead of a gift. I know, I know, and it's that's, a career liability, you know, for right. your future earning potential. It, yeah, and that's it's it's such a shame, especially because there it's are so many there are so many people that I help who are having that crisis of like I've looked at this career as a, just as you said as a job this whole time. And now I'm sitting here in my 40s or 50s feeling unfulfilled and thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to stick it out till retirement? Or am I going to to reinvent or make a change? So yeah, so it's interesting. It's interesting. So how long have you, you said that you, um, you know, the people that you were teaching turned, went into the corporate world and started bringing you in. How how long have you been doing that? I've been doing that work for about seven years, you know? Okay, no. great. Yeah, great. and I, I spent three, three and a half years doing research and getting my PhD and and now involved in research. I do about 30% of my time teaching and doing research in the Center for Meaning and Purpose at Colorado okay. State University. Great. The rest of my time is out teaching people how to do this. Right, wonderful. They, we need more of it. I've said to a lot of folks that your he- purpose and mattering is finally not a fuzzy little word. You know, it's not just a warm and fuzzy thing. And I guess that's the next question for you, because I deal with it sometimes too, and you probably deal with it a lot, is how do you deal with those folks who think that noticing others and meaning and mattering at work is all fluff? People should just put their adult pants on and and get their job done. You know, there's that mentality out there and, and we've got to combat that. How do you deal with that? Yeah. I usually find that the people who think that purpose is fluffy are the ones who need it most. Yeah, so true. And, uh, you know, what I think happens is that usually, you know, in psychology, there's this phenomenon called the arrival fallacy, right? It's also Mm. called destination addiction, that when you don't feel a sense of significance yourself, you attach your identity to a quarterly earnings report, getting a job, a Mm. career, your Mm. business success, right? And, And so, and then you get rewarded for that. So I actually have a lot of empathy for people who every day they get up and their worth is dependent upon their performance metrics. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of leaders in that, in that case. And what we know about human behavior is what you reward, you ultimately become. So I'm not surprised that people become hardened to purpose when they're rewarded for everything but purpose and meaningfulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So having a lot of empathy, I think, is important. But then making it personal is, is really important. Like I ask people, think about the first time in your life when you felt like you mattered. Think about the first time in your work when you felt like you mattered, what was happening. Mm. No one's ever said, oh, when I closed that sale. Yeah, <laughs> right. When I got that direct deposit. Yeah. And so often what time, when you ask those questions, people start proving it to themselves that what creates meaning, what creates meaningfulness and purpose and what really matters in life and therefore in work mm-hmm. is really what we 
contribute, not what we achieve. Mm. And, and what's interesting is that what we achieve is typically better when we focus on what we contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the other question is, you know, I ask people, think about the last seven days of your life. When have you been most fulfilled? And almost every person I've ever asked that question to has talked about helping another person, whether it's a family member, their friends, um, people at work, working on a bigger project that helps people. And you know what helping is, contribution is, it's just a synonym for purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I immediately thought of a a workshop that I did um, about a week ago that was just wonderful. And I could tell the people were into it. And I got such nice emails from them afterward that our time together was valuable, like the fastest three hours I've ever spent in a workshop. And that to me is like, all right, yeah, that's, that's why I wake up. That's what I wake up to do every day. Yeah. Just to help people. So. And, you know, like I, one of the things that benefits me is I, I, I did my research with university janitors, so oh. cleaners, and I uh-huh. do a lot of work with frontline workers who, you know, people say, Zach, they're not going to want this purpose stuff. And you mentioned purpose being fluffy. Purpose isn't really, purpose has only become fluffy because people have made it fluffy. Yep. I mean, when you learned language as a toddler, the first word you probably used was why, when you started Mm -hmm. learning the art of asking questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I call it our toddler brain. We're encoded to ask why. Almost every language equivalent to why is one of the first words humans from around the world use to make sense of their world. So Mm -hmm. that seeking system never goes away. Hmm. Um, including in work. And so we are hardwired for purpose, just like we're hardwired to learn language. Hmm. And so I don't believe it's fluffy. I think it's essentially human. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. But then you have those folks that are, that I think of that are so hardwired, not hardwired, but are so, like I can think of some ruthless salespeople that I've worked for in the past. And it's all about- Uh the performance and the metric and the bottom line. And yeah, I get it. The business can't exist unless we're making a profit and unless we're converting, but you're train wrecking over people who need more than just that. Exactly. And you're not seeing that. And that was, that was one of, that's been one of my major frustrations in my 27 year career in the business world is that Mm. kind of mentality. It's more about if you don't take care of your people, the profits are, going to fall apart. They're not going to, you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to sustain the, the profits because you're not going to have consistency. You're not going to keep your top talent. Or it's going to be a roller coaster. So right. salespeople like, right. Or any leaders, right. I say, see people, let's get the numbers up. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So there's a big push to get the numbers up and then the numbers are down and then let's get the numbers up. Right. Or, right. or, or let's uh, pay people more. So they'll be more burnt out and not complain. Uh, okay. They, now they need another paycheck, right? I mean, if you want to motivate someone for three months, give them more money. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if you want to motivate people for a lifetime, you know, show them that they matter, give them Mm -hmm. a, give them a a reason for being a a will to survive. You know, what's funny is that when people like talk about this, like we don't need purpose, our people don't need purpose. I asked them what living organism continues to exist if they don't contribute to the ecosystem around them. None of them. Right. Every organism dies without purpose, really, right. in, in, in the biological world. And that's who we are. I mean, organizations are individual human beings who organize. And when there's not that will to survive, that purpose pulling people through, 
it's very hard to create sustained motivation, energy, and fulfillment. But if you want to do it for the short term, money and fear works great. Money, you know, I'm, being yeah, right. bit, I'm being a little <laughs> bit facetious, but yeah. Um, well, but it does. I mean, and it's a short term fix. But if you really want to build something that lasts, right, you have to build it on a foundation of creating meaningfulness through purpose and mattering. Right. Now, I, I know think. you, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I know you can't teach us all this today, but talk to me about how when you are training or you're doing engagements with teams that, that get it, they, 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 you know, they, they, you're there for a reason. They want you there. They, they believe in, in, in the power of purpose and mattering and meaningful work. How do you get those leaders who aren't naturally empathetic or aren't yeah. naturally good communicators? They, because uh, I work with a lot of those folks, and I have my methodologies to ha- to help them flex that muscle and not change them, but let help them, you know, activate those skills in a in a, in a way that's authentic to them. But how do you go into a a room of all these different people mm-hmm. and teach them how to apply this in their own authentic way? It must be hard. Yeah, yeah, it's very it's hard. And because I'm working with a universal human truth, it's not hard. You know? okay. and, and what I mean by that is that the first key is showing everybody, whether they want to believe it or not, that they already have purpose. Right. So, for example, like most jobs on planet Earth, even though work gets a really bad rap, gets a lot of bad press, mm-hmm. most jobs on the planet exist to solve a human problem or fill a human need. At the end of a supplier service chain and all along it are human beings who need you, right? The human problem you or your product exists to solve is a worthy purpose. A lot of people confuse purpose with cause, like Mm. a cause, like a global cause. Right. But purpose is simply where your unique gifts impact people in unique ways. A company has unique resources that impact people in unique ways, AKA Mm. products, uh, individual has unique strengths with impacts their team in unique ways. And so it's illuminating that and sort of demystifying purpose right off the bat. That's, that's mm-hmm. important. W- one of the ways I help people see their purpose is look at the thing you dislike doing most in your job. Mm. And I want you to answer this question. What would happen to a human being if you did not do it? And all of a sudden what you'll find is that first of all, purpose is not, does not equate to pleasure. Mm -hmm. What you'll find is there's a human being that depends on that task, whether it's a team member or customer or some human being who's living a life as vivid and complex and as important as your own. Yep. Um, And that, that it has purpose. You know, my favorite story about this is I was working with a group of mechanics at a school district. Mm -hmm. I went in and I did this uh, session on purpose. And this one guy got up and he said, you know, Zach, I, I, I love your little purpose talk, but uh-huh. no matter what you say, I hate sweeping the buses every time they come in at the end of the day. And I said to him, I said, well, what would happen to a human being if you did not do it? And there was a group of other mechanics right around him. And they said, uh-huh. we would have to do it, Bob. Right. And I said, how would you all feel? And they were like, we feel frustrated, and angry. I said, Bob, do you get up every day wanting to frustrate and anger people? Right. And he said, no, he actually stormed out of the auditorium. Well, he signed up for my email newsletter uh-huh. and I sent him the newsletter and he wrote me back. Expletive you, Zach. I can't Ooh. think about sweeping the buses the same again. Uh. <laughs> and, and it's that 
So it's that developing that purposeful perspective, being able to see the so that of your work yeah. and illuminating that for people. I think that's the first step in helping people realize they already have purpose. Yeah. And then I ask leaders, imagine if everybody saw that every day as much as they see the performance metrics. What would it be like if everybody thought like that, felt that? Yeah. And that often gets leaders to think, oh yeah, this is what it's about. I guess is that is that what you call purpose awakening and from your book is that that moment? Or? Yeah, I mean it's it's that. I think thinking about you know those. I think thinking about those moments in which you most believe that you matter. If you lead mm-hmm. an organization, try asking your people when you feel like you and your work matters here. What is happening around you? What is going on? You're going to mm-hmm. find there are innumerable stories of mattering in your organization. The data is there, right? And it's then making sure that people are focusing on that inevitable impact. The other thing that's important to do is make sure people, just bring people back to, again, another basic truth, which is you can't get an effect by pursuing an effect. I mean, my Mm. first grader right now is learning about cause and effect the hard way. Mm. But you can't try to get an effect by trying to get an effect. You can't try to get profit by trying to get profit. Right. right. Oh, Every effect yeah. has a cause, just like you said. Right. And so being able to obsessively focus on your cause and your contribution and trust that the effect will follow, that's another hallmark of someone who is starting to act more purposefully. Right. And organizations that do this really well are organizations that, you know, the VP of sales, after the number of numbers are down, they don't go into a meeting and say, hey, how do we get the numbers up? They say, hey, how can we contribute more to our customers to get the numbers up? Right. And and you like communication. That's the difference, right? Think about the difference in a meeting. Hey, we got to get the numbers up. How are you going to do it? Or, hey, how can we contribute more to our customers to get the numbers up? Right. I bet one meeting is going to last double the amount of time as the other one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different way to look at it and and a and a more human way. Yeah. Human way to look at it. Why not leverage the way that we're that we're all hardwired I don't think, to motivate I don't each think other. Anybody's sitting on any kid was ever sitting on a swing set and be like, when I want when I grow up, I want to make sure I meet the quarterly goals. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, so we have to go back to this basic humanity of what people desire. And I think Part of our basic humanity is we just desire significance. We desire to be helpful. I mean, maybe yeah. I'm too much of an optimist about that, but I think ultimately many of our issues in organizations and in society are people fighting for significance that they don't get. Right. So yeah. work in their families and schools, you know, and, yeah. and, and work is a place where, I mean, the organization exists because it solves some problem. Show people how they solve that problem. Right. You said earlier, and make sure they can see it. That really resonated yeah. with me. Yeah. Well, what do you think about? So, I was thinking when you were talking about we're all about looking to feel significance and feel that they matter. What's your take on social media and the modern social media? I have a love hate relationship with it. I'm actually, I'm this close to ditching Instagram um, because what I find on what I find personally on social media is I'm either elated by what I'm seeing, happy, laughing, or I'm sad by what I'm seeing, like name calling on Twitter and all that. But I know that what social media does for a lot of people, and there's good in it, is gives them that sense of mattering and purpose in a certain aspect of their life. So I'll just turn it over to you. What 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 are your thoughts? 
my thoughts are this again, I think social media is just one more signal of significance that people are falsely relying on. Mm. It's the modern day equivalent of, did you get the pension? Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just the, you know, do you have the, 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 the picket fence in the, the, the suburban neighborhood? Right. I mean, those were the status symbols 30, 40, 50 years ago. I think now the status right. symbols is, is likes and shares. It just gets back to basic human psychology that mm-hmm. we try to architect an environment that gives us signals of our significance. Right. Um, now, the problem with that and the problem with relying on a job to give you significance, the problem with relying on likes to give you significance mm-hmm. is that they come and go. So, mm-hmm. so too does your sense of self. And that's why yeah. it's critical to critical to go back to the basics, right? Keep the main thing, mm-hmm. the main thing, which is the human community mm-hmm. that we can create an authentic sense of mattering for one another in our families, mm-hmm. schools, and workplaces. And that way social media doesn't become the place where people have to rely to get their right. signals for significance. I think that's mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, there was a study done. If you look at, uh, people in grades six through 12, there was a study done of over 66,000 students. They asked them a simple question. Do you think your teacher would notice if you were absent? Over half of that sample of 66,000 students indicated they did not think wow. their teacher would notice. 60% of people in the American workforce indicate they feel invisible at work. Over 43% say they're undervalued. Of course, wow. I'm going to go rant on Twitter for a couple of likes after a day like that. Sure, Right. Yep. Those are startling statistics. They are. Wow. You talked about feeling invisible, and that's actually a good segue to your your book, uh, The Invisible Leader. Um, Why did you write that? And tell my audience uh, about what's in there so they could decide if they might want to check it out. I wrote it to start because purpose really became popularized with Simon Sinek's Start With Why um, mm-hmm. Golden Circle Talk in 2009, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that what's more startling about that talk is the amount of views it got, not necessarily mm-hmm. its content, right? right. That yep. we should know why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. can you imagine that? Like, <laughs> uh, like uh, hey, I, we should know why we're doing it and communicate yeah, that. right. <laughs> before we do it. <laughs> it seems pretty basic, doesn't it? It does. But what he did is he sort of hit the industrial age, right? Mm-hmm. Right at a place where it had lulled itself to sleep, I think. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that we had thought all of that, what we do is what we do and how we do it. And so um, in 2009, you know, that came out. But then, but then I, I was also interested in at that same time, in, in purpose. And I was like, well, how do we do it? Mm-hmm. Right. It's good to understand it, but how do we do it in our own lives? And I, I wrote it as a practical guide mm-hmm. because it is not as complicated as people think. Purpose is not somewhere out there waiting to be found. It's usually right where you are waiting to be acknowledged. Like the mm-hmm. first step you could take today is instead of looking at your calendar and saying, what do I have to do today? Ask this question. How is what I'm going to do today going to impact other people? And do, do that for seven days and, yep. and, and then tell me what happens. Your brain will start focusing its attention on contribution. Mm-hmm. So then you will learn and be able to see how you contrib- contribute. And then you'll mm-hmm. be able to develop a sense of your contribution, AKA purpose, right? So asking right. better questions of yourself, things like that. Um, 
being able to tell stories to yourself and others of the impact that you make mm-hmm. instead of telling mm-hmm. stories about what you don't do, what you can't do, what you should do. Yeah. Tell, telling yourself stories of, of how you matter, telling other people's stories of how they matter. Um, so those, some of those practical tips are in there, but the reason why the book's called the invisible leader is because in 1928, Mary Parker Follett, a, a, an amazing management thinker as a woman in 1928, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. She had this theory of leadership that the best leaders are not people. But the best leaders of our lives, of our organizations, of any movement is actually a common other-centered purpose. Mm. And she had this quote that says, leaders and followers are both following the invisible leader, the common purpose. Awesome. So in our lives, how do we cultivate a common sense of contribution that Mm -hmm. pulls us forward? In organizations, how do we create that and accentuate that invisible thread that binds everybody together, that common purpose? Um, and as a society, I mean, how do we do that? And that's why the book's called that. It's just synonymous with purpose as the invisible leader. Right. Great. Yeah. And I encourage, I mean, I, like I said, I read the book a couple of years ago and and it was, I thought it was a really great read. Um, and there's just, there's so much in there. There are so many great nuggets and quotes in there and stories in there. So that will mm. really get you thinking more clearly about purpose and how to how to how how to spark it in yourself and in others, and also how to deliver on it. Yeah. What are you working on now that excites you? What's coming up? What's next? Yeah. One of the things that I'm working on is a research project. Actually, trying to understand. We we surveyed over 1,200 employees, and what we're trying to understand is what leadership practices actually predict the experience of meaningfulness. Ooh. Uh, and so that's going to be coming up. I'm also working on what I think is the prerequisite to purpose, mm-hmm. which is creating mattering. Because if you want people to okay. know their contribution, they first have to believe they have something to contribute. Right. And mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do now is really help leaders with the skills to make sure everybody feels noticed in your organization. They mm-hmm. feel affirmed. They know how their uniqueness makes a difference and they feel needed. Mm-hmm. Um, as a prerequisite for people knowing their their contribution, their purpose, and experiencing well-being. So those are my two areas right now, really trying to define specific leadership practices that can predict meaningfulness, mm-hmm. and then also trying to go one step before meaningfulness, which is how do we create mattering? Yeah, because all the leaders out there who are listening right now, think about that. If every person on your team knew that they mattered, uh, and felt noticed, how much more powerful would that team be? It's just so yeah. it's just so simple to think about it, but Zach, it's so missing in most organizations. So that's why I'm just thrilled to talk to you about the type of work you do because I think it's just critically important. Yeah, and so like if you want to do that, I mean, a couple of tools are first to acknowledge that common sense is not always common practice. In fact, mm. the most common sense human concepts are mostly not common practice in organizations. I'm sure you see that in your communication Mm -hmm, tour. mm -hmm. And so like with mattering, if you're trying to create a culture of mattering, making sure you know people's full names, making sure you know who they rely on and who relies on them outside of work. Make sure that um, you're remembering personal details and checking in on them. Right. Uh, Making sure that you can name the unique strengths of people on your team and that Mm -hmm. you show them how those strengths make a difference regularly. Um, And when's the last time you told them someone on your team, if it wasn't for you 
and you showed them exactly what they made possible. Yeah, how um, powerful is that? Yeah. yeah, so it's these little practices. I almost, I always say that the, well, I've started to say that the best leaders practice the fundamentals of being human. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, if an athlete's craft is their sport, I think a leader's craft is enriching the lives of humans. Yeah. And I think like creating mattering while it's common sense, that those are the fundamentals. Yeah, absolutely. One quote that I've from your, that I pulled from your book that when I share it on LinkedIn gets tons and tons and tons of uh, likes <laughs> is before you teach people what to do, make sure they know why it matters. Right. And it's just, it's just a, it's, it's such a important thing. And I wish there was somebody like you that could help every organization <laughs> in this yeah. world make their people feel noticed and make the work feel like, make people feel like they matter and make work meaningful. So, and how do you show them? Yeah. And how do you show them why it matters? I mean, yeah, I'll just give another tip here. If you're going to go yeah. delegate a task to somebody today, which most people listening are going to do at some level, absolutely show them three things. One, first delegate it by telling them, here's the significance it has on human beings. Mm -hmm. Two, here's what the task will ultimately make possible. And then mm -hmm. three, here are the strengths I need you to use to do it. And try that and see what happens when you start with the significance of the task. You right. can identify it with a bigger outcome. And then you remind people they have strengths that you need them to use on this task. I love that. Great tip. Well, Zach, listen, this was a great conversation. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise with my listeners and to come on the show today. Hey, listen, tell everybody how people can find out more about you. Yeah, you can go to my website. I have one of those, zachmercurio.com. Uh, and then, yeah, I know it's unique, huh? And then, right. <laughs> and then I, I, I do, I have cultivated an interesting community on LinkedIn. So I actually really like LinkedIn. I think you I can do use too. social media for being helpful. And mm -hmm. there's a really fun community of people that comment and disagree on my posts. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. really fun. So uh, I'm testing out ideas. And so come let me know if they're resonant with you and they work in your practice. I'd love that. So I'm at Zach Mercurio on LinkedIn. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. That's it for this episode of the Leadership Communication Show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think this show can help other people you know, please tell them about it too. To learn more about me and my work, head over to my websites at michaelpiperno.com and wearecomvia.com. While you're there, be sure to check out all of the leadership communication tips and tricks I share on my blogs. See you next time. The Leadership Communication Show is brought to you by the Comvia Group, your source for leadership communication and workplace relationships coaching and training. Visit wearecomvia, that's wearecomvia com to learn more. If you're a senior leader in healthcare who's thinking about making the transition to the early and mid-stage life sciences world, the Comvia Group's Write the Next Chapter of Your Career Program is for you. Learn more and get access to a free preview at www.wearecomvia.com.
com slash next chapter. That's www.wercomvia.com slash next chapter.